We'll talk to Travis Rogers in 20 minutes, live from L.A. Look ahead to the uh, the Rams side of things for Thursday Night Football. Mike Dettelier also later in the show oh, yeah. from the New Orleans side of thing for what should be, guys, hopefully a Thursday Night Football game that's got a little offense. Maybe Derek Carr redeems himself a little bit. You know, Alvin Kamara, who knows? Yeah. Let's, that's what we need. We want some offense in that game. I can't wait for that game. I'm excited for it. I am not excited about it. Not at really? all? Not really. I don't like watching the Saints. Don't tell Mike Dettelier. <laughs> They're not fun to me at all. They need a new quarterback, A$AP Rocky. They need a new coach. Well, they, they have do. a quarterback. They just refuse to play him. Yep. It's true. Taysom Hill? No. I was just about to go Taysom <laughs> He gets so you, mad you know when we talk right. about Taysom Hill. You know damn right who I'm talking Jameis about. Jameis Winston, all in. Ultimate teammate. Oh. Trying to fire the boys up in the locker room. Meanwhile, Derek Carr, Derek Carr, too worried about completing 80% of his passes because the air yards are like three, but, you know, it is what it is. That's kind of how their offense has been, though. They did that with Jameis Winston. He three averaged Jameis. 185 yards yeah. p- passing Remember, a game. He was protecting the ball. They were 5-1, and one, but they were they were throwing little dink and dunk the entire time. Yeah. That's, that's not really a lot of fun to watch, I, uh, no matter who it is. They need, they need a real head coach that's not Dennis Allen. I bet the Saints in this game, and I don't know how I feel about it, guys. At four, I was like anything over a field goal. They're both seven and seven. They're both playing for their playoff lives. But the problem is, is that the Rams are trending in a totally opposite direction. Like the Rams yep. could be even better than seven and seven if they oh, were healthy yeah. all season. If they didn't lose Cooper Cup, if Matthew uh, if Stafford was healthy all year, yeah. um, they and the, strangely kicked a field goal. Yeah, and I think the Saints are lucky actually to be seven and seven. I agree. But they and are yet coming you off a like win. The Saints plus four. Yeah, they're coming off a win. You know, um, big win. If this number is like three. You know, maybe I look at the Rams. If a money line <laughs> price is cheaper than minus 200, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Saints won this game outright. If they're able to get pressure on Matthew Stafford, that's what it comes down to. Luckily, we'll have on uh, Mike. We could talk about that. Mm-hmm. I'll say, hey, Mike, you guys going to get some pressure on Mike on Stafford? And he'll be like, Ryan, it's like I told Odell Beckham Jr.'s dad in 74. <laughs> <laughs> he came up to me, good kid. I said, oh, boy. He's he's one of my favorites. Yeah. He really is. Uh, I still just can't get over there. There's, there's ESPN.com had an article about this today, too. Looking at Brock Purdy at minus 225 to win the MVP. That's where we've gotten to at this point in the season. Gross. But if you're a quarterback of the best team in the NFL – and you're near the top or at the top of pretty much every statistical category for a quarterback, it's kind of hard for you to not be in this position right now. But there's still the... CMC's down to 7-1. to one. Like, I know it's not going to happen, but it tells you there's at least some money there. And, like, maybe... What would it take, guys, honestly? Yeah, let's talk what, about it. What would it take for Christian McCaffrey the rest of the way here to win MVP? All right. Pretty to get injured. All right, let's take out injuries. Let's take out injuries then, because we okay. don't want to predict injuries. You never know what's going to happen with those. All right, let's, let's look go, performance only. Let's go to this week's matchup, right? And let's go Baltimore-San Francisco. Everybody's going to be watching this game, except for people that have to celebrate the holidays. Losers. And uh, don't have TVs <laughs> in their house. So everybody's going to watch this standalone game. It's the two best teams in the league, in my opinion. And let's say maybe Brock Purdy can't get anything going through the air. Let's say, like, the Ravens' pass defense shows up and Christian McCaffrey just goes off. Runs for Four 200, touchdowns. 200 some yards. Yeah, 160 yards just goes off. I think that's what it would take. Mm-hmm. And I just I don't know that that's Multiple going to happen. Multiple touchdowns. It'd have to be, like, three touchdowns, one receiving, two rushing, 180 yards on the ground. Maybe, like, 75, 85 yards through the air. Yeah, and then you go next week. On the road against the Commanders, 
Or and you had to put up like ungodly stats. Well, that's not hard against See, the Commanders. Problem so. no. and the problem is, is the Commanders' pass defense, and they traded away obviously their two best it's pass horrible. rushers. So I just think that like Purdy's going to sit in the pocket and pick them apart. Mm-hmm. What it comes down to, but then, McCaffrey is, we, is a receiver. Yeah, McCaffrey is a receiver. He's still pad have to those start stats. Some deep routes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they really like they're trying to pad his stats. But then you wonder about Week 18, what the Niners have to play for because they host the Rams. You know, does McCaffrey get any touches? Does Purdy even play in the game? Maybe you go with Sam Darnold in that game if you have everything locked up. But I don't know. I hate to say it because I'm on Lamar Jackson. But it looks like right now, McCaffrey really doesn't have a shot. He could be Offensive Player of the Year. It's probably going to be between him and Tyreek, and now Tyreek's hurt. But Purdy at minus 225 is looking like the safe play. I would never do it, obviously, at that current price. I got Lamar 8-1 to down to 6-1. to I just need him to out-duel Purdy, but just Lamar doesn't have the numbers. You know, you could say, okay, Baltimore's a few plays away from being undefeated. It's because of Lamar, obviously, and you look what he does with his legs. He just doesn't have the numbers. But, I mean, I kind of take all that away because it's year one in a new offensive system. Obviously, Greg Roman being gone, Todd Munkin coming in, and, like, he had to figure out who his go-to guys were. He lost Mark Andrews, his number one wide receiver, uh, even though he's a tight end. And Odell Beckham Jr. was coming back from an injury. He didn't play at all last year. You got some rookies, second-year guys. And now the offense is finally starting to click, which is usually what happens. You know, the second half of the season, when you bring in a new coordinator, a quarterback off an injury, uh, a wide receiver off a pretty devastating injury like Odell Beckham Jr., who's not getting any younger. So that's what I think it takes for Lamar. He's got to go on a little run here, and they're going to have to beat San Francisco. I don't know that McCaffrey's going to get it over Purdy, even if he does just, like, ball out, man, because it's a quarterback award. I think – go ahead. No, I was going to say, if, if, if I'm just looking at some of like the recent games for Lamar Jackson, right? Because there have been some, oh, you talk about his numbers. Yeah. And that's what made me want to actually go look at it because the Ravens have won a lot of games, but there are moments, right? Like he only threw for 171 a touchdown and an interception against Jacksonville. They're up big. They're going to run the football a lot. But what if he puts together a similar game like that? 190 yards passing, a touchdown, throws a pick, takes a couple of sacks, Ravens are trying to run the ball early, eat some clock. 49ers have, like, let's say it's a lot of a ground game early on in this. Purdy's not throwing the ball as much. Lamar Jackson's not throwing the ball as much. They have average pedestrian numbers. But, you know, even whatever the 49ers' offensive game plan is, it always involves Christian McCaffrey. Like, yes, I understand Brock Purdy's the quarterback, football's in his hands. Like, we get all that. But they actually do run the football a lot, too. So, really, the ball could be in Christian McCaffrey's hands even more if they want to kind of go with that game plan early and they're not just going to throw all over the Ravens' defense. I, I understand, like... I'm, I, when I say this, I'm always understanding it's a quarterback award. I don't see it happening. Yeah, and like, but like you, there is a. I'm just oh, saying there, there's 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 like a slight slim chance because you're starting to get a groundswell from a lot of people talking about why Christian McCaffrey should deserve it, especially this year. If there's any year, it's you know it's not the same for the Chiefs offense and Patrick Mahomes this year. Josh Allen's been up and down this season. We've been waiting for him to separate himself and win an MVP. Lamar's numbers. Jalen Hurts' numbers. The offense looks terrible there. Brock Purdy is great, but you have Christian McCaffrey in that offense. Like, I, I, I get it. I, would, I wouldn't even bet it. I wouldn't even suggest somebody to bet it because you're probably wasting your money. Maybe if, maybe if you have a free bet, but you missed a great price anyway because it's 7-1 to now versus like 20-1 to a couple of weeks ago. It just feels like if there's ever a chance for a non-quarterback to win an MVP award in today's NFL, it's Christian McCaffrey this season. But it takes so much over the rest of the season for that still to even happen. Yeah, and I'm looking at, okay, so Adrian Peterson in 2012 won the MVP as a running back. He was a monster. 348 carries, over 2,000 rushing yards, 13 touchdowns, and that was when they only played 16 games. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, How about when? And then you look at McCaffrey's numbers, 1,200 rushing yards so far, 13 touchdowns. You also look at what he does in the receiving game. What right. were you saying? I was just going to say, also, remember LT, when LT broke the rushing uh, touchdown record and all-purpose touchdown record in 2006, ended up with 31 touchdowns that year. Yeah. Which is just disgusting. Did not win MVP. It was just, um, it was just like a different league too. Yeah, you know, was. like it, oh, was, yeah. it was a different league. Like Marshall Falk wins it in two thousand, and he, he was, was kind of the in, same kind of guy. Like as he was like LT, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, catch balls out of the backfield. I don't know. I just you look at Purdy's numbers, and I don't remember the last time a quarterback put up these type of numbers and didn't win MVP. He's completing almost seventy percent of his passes. He's already almost got four thousand yards passing. That's probably coming here in the next two weeks. Twenty nine touchdowns to just seven picks. And, like, for context, if you compare, you know, Lamar's numbers to Jordan Love's numbers, because mm-hmm. Jordan Love's not going to win MVP. Jordan Love this season, 3,368 passing yards, 25 touchdowns, 11 picks, a QB rating of 90.8. Uh, Lamar's QB rating right now, 60.8. Seven picks, 17 touchdowns, 3,105 yards, which is 15th in the league. I just don't know that the numbers are good enough unless you – you know, look at the intangibles, what he does with his legs, just him being healthy. Take him off this team, where are they at? I don't think they'll do that, and that's why it's probably going to Purdy. But, yeah, you're right. Like, if ever there's going to be a year, I'd say maybe, yeah, maybe this year with Tyreek or McCaffrey, but we also said that a couple years ago with Cooper Cup, and he still didn't win the award. Right, right. And if you look, I mean, Brock Purdy leads the NFL in touchdown passes. He's the highest-rated quarterback in the NFL. If you look at completion percentage, it's weird because Nick Mullins and Jake Browning are like, in there, but they don't really count. It's really Tua and then Brock Purdy, if you're looking at it without those two guys. I mean, if you're looking at yards, I think he's, yeah, he's just behind Tua right now, so he's second there. In terms of interceptions, he's not throwing a ton of picks. Like, I, Again, I understand all this, and I love the story, and I love the season Brock Purdy's having, but I just, I just, I hate the fact that this award eliminates guys like Cooper Cup, essentially. Eliminates guys like Christian McCaffrey. Not just for really good years as a receiver running back, but really historic seasons like they've had. Yeah. No, I mean, I I just want to see it go to the best player. I'm with you there. Um, That's what Offensive Player of the Year is for, which, yeah, McCaffrey's now minus 155. Tyreek's plus 110. That The fact that Tyreek's not going to win it when he probably is going to put up 1,700 receiving yards. Maybe he doesn't play another game until the playoffs, who knows. That's what I'm worried about. It's like if this at this point if he's out the next couple of weeks for the Dolphins, I mean, he they may not even wait. add to those totals. Probably wait. He almost played last week. I was watching that on Hard Knocks last night uh when I came home and he was like really like warmed up, was going through his his uh protocol and they said, "Nope, not strong enough. He's in a walking boot, so that's not good." No. I mean, I'd hold them out right now, too. Yeah. You're going to need him, obviously. I mean, this is a big game for both teams, Dallas and Miami. Yeah, you're right, though. 1,500 yards right now, even if he didn't play another game. 12 touchdowns. I, and, like, just what he brings, too. I mean, the numbers are great, but also just because you have to game plan. When he's on the field, like, the way that they – you could move them all around, right? You, like, you could line them up in the slot. You could move them like, onto the outside. You could line them up in the backfield. And he just creates so many nightmares, um, matchup nightmares. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't hate that. But McCaffrey at minus 155 makes sense, especially because Tyreek might miss this game. So, if you look at McCaffrey, he's not going to win MVP. He probably wins this award. That's actually not a bad price right now, minus 155, to be quite honest with you. No, like, A.J. Not. Brown hasn't done enough the last couple weeks. I really like CeeDee Lamb earlier in the year, but, I mean... He didn't do anything last week except for get that rushing touchdown, which I have no idea why he was still in the game in the fourth quarter. So it comes down to Tyreek McCaffrey. And like you said, I mean, 
If Tyreek's in a walking boot, if he's not 100%, if he doesn't play against Dallas, let's say Miami wins that game, they're favored in that game, maybe you just sit him the next week, too. I mean, they put up 30, and they shut out Same the Jets. So you clearly can still score even without Tyreek Hill, which shows you the value of Tua. Yeah, Again, see, it's quarterbacks, though, right? Like, I, I actually might play some McCaffrey. Because then you look at the rest of the matchups. For MVP? No, for oh, offensive, no, for offensive oh, player I was like, what, did you, did, that, did you no, buy no, in? No, oh, no, no, oh, just, no, just at minus 155. Yeah. That's a good price. I mean, because you look at it, all right, so if he doesn't play right now, Tyreek, if he doesn't play against the Cowboys mm-hmm. next week, Baltimore. Then after that, Buffalo. I don't even really love those matchups. He's on the road against Baltimore on December 31st on New Year's Day. So that could be a weather game, windy game. You know, I mean, they're still going to throw the ball, obviously. Uh, and then you get the Bills. Granted, that game's in Miami against Buffalo. You don't have to go on the road. It's not going to be probably crappy conditions. But still, like, some tougher defenses. Yeah, I like McCaffrey a lot. And it's, it kind of feels like a NFL draft bet yeah. where you're not always getting great prices, but the probability of that bet hitting is much mm-hmm. higher since it's in the information market versus, like, an actual competitive game yes. market. Yeah, and, it's, and it just also feels like they're going to reward the Niners for being the best team in the regular mm-hmm. season, right. right? Like, the best team in the NFC. So, so that means you would go Purdy MVP, McCaffrey Offensive Player of the Year. The way that they're, like, playing off each other. He should win MVP. No, he should win MVP. No, you hang up. Yeah, I think that's no, that's how it goes down. No, you hang up. No, you but hang up. Lamar and the boys can ruin that. That, that could all go ruin to hell it. this weekend. It, he's got to win, and he's probably going to have to ball out, though. Um, if you like Baltimore plus five and a half, or you like Baltimore to win that game outright, wouldn't you just take Lamar to win MVP at plus 600? Yeah, I'd play, I'd play, I'd play a little Lamar, too. Yeah. Cause, we need to do that. I mean, now it's down to those guys. I don't think McCaffrey wins. No. Um... I think Dak really cost himself in that last game. Yeah, that was terrible. Josh Allen, I mean, there's an outside chance maybe Josh Allen still, but it takes why though? He why would the Bills winning outright? Yeah, right. I mean, if it, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like, it, you have to they have to win outright, and you have to put up monster numbers. But then it's quarterback to quarterback, so you're comparing Josh Allen to Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's been doing it all year, so at this point, yeah, I don't, I just really don't see anybody else besides Lamar Jackson and Brock Purdy winning this. And if if we're being realistic and we're taking numbers and prices and everything out of it. What's the most logical winner for this award? Yeah. Brock Purdy. The craziest award that I'm looking at, like as far as line movement, Joe Flacco going from 150 to 1, 200 to 1, and some offshore shops down to right now 12 to win. For, 12 to 1. For most, or comeback, comeback player, player of the year. Of the I year. saw that too. Yeah. So DeMar Hamlin right now down to minus 600. I say down to. Two is 12 to 1. Like DeMar Hamlin's not even playing in these games, man. Is Doesn't he even matter. active? No. Not really. Doesn't what? matter though. Flacco's twelve to one. Last time we saw Demar Hamlin, God bless his soul, he um, cost his team. Like he got that penalty. Remember Baker Mayfield, fourteen to one. That that award is not going to anybody. Flacco had a Hamlin. great quote though. He's like, "What am I coming back from? Not wanting to show up to training camp." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Flacco's taking this whole situation just with nothing but like enthusiasm to play. I love it. Same. I, I just I want to see them keep winning just because Joe Flacco's making it fun. He really is. Yeah. All right, Travis Rogers, live from L.A. next. It's BetMGM Tonight. It's time for a short commercial break. Don't go anywhere, though, because we'll be right back with even more BetMGM Tonight, presented by BetMGM, live from BetQL. Unfair. Nebraska has a great team every year, but last night they got swept. Just like last year, Texas pulled off the sweep. First time in college volleyball history, a women's volleyball team has swept the final in consecutive years. The pride of Katie, Texas, Madison Skinner, Longhorns, back-to-back, MVP. They deserve it. And now... 
All of a sudden, my phone is real quiet. Real quiet. I don't hear anybody talking to any volleyball smack to me, but you should know better. Longhorns, Maddie Skinner, way to get it done. How many people are you texting about women's volleyball? I did not know this about People come out of nowhere. (laughs) I swear to God. All right, so... Uh, I'm going to go off the menu, and I'm going to go for a guy that Jenks absolutely loves, and that's Baker Mayfield, the oh. pride of Oklahoma. Uh, how did we not mention this fact? Baker Mayfield over the weekend becomes the first visiting quarterback to have a perfect passer rating playing at Lambeau Field. Four <sighs> touchdowns, no interceptions, and now his Bucks are in first place in the NFC South. Do we not need to at least mention old Baker doing big things for the Bucks? Baker and the Bucks. Yeah, it's gonna go to Baker Mayfield for me. <laughs> but yeah, you've gotta be you've just gotta be smarter with the football at this time of year. You wanna be trending in the right direction and playing your best football the season and Jacksonville's just kinda sitting there and I think you nailed it, which is are the Jags serious contenders? Kind of on paper because it looks like they can beat virtually anyone and they do have a franchise quarterback and they have weapons and they have a good head coach. But until we see it, all they are is, you know, it's like Bill Parcell said back in the day, you are what your record says you are. And the Jaguars are a good team, but they are not a great team. And now we're getting to the point of the season where, look, you don't have a whole lot of time to sort of fix these glaring errors and become so much better. You can, but you got to do it right now. You don't want to go into the postseason limping. No, of course not. Um, I'm looking at their schedule, and I'm trying to justify this statement. And I'm not sure if the Jags can compete with the cream and the crop mm-hmm. because you look at that game. Uh, this was back in September. Maybe not a good example. Chiefs beat them 17-9. to They got absolutely smoked by the 49ers, which most teams do. But I think they're only, like, really solid win this year. And, like, all wins are solid. I should, you know, quantify my statement there. But looking at that game against the Texans, in which the Texans actually had C.J. Stroud, because that's the other thing Mm -hmm. about the AFC South. Now the Jags look like they have a clean pathway because the Texans don't have C.J. Stroud, although the Texans did win over the weekend against my Titans. So I'm not sure. I always want to believe in the Jags because there's been years past where they have played the Chiefs closely. And, you know, sometimes their defense over the past decade has really got them, uh, you know, into some big games, notably those years that they had Blake Bortles at the helm. But still, I don't know. I feel like the Jags are one of those teams that, I don't know, they're just meh. Yes, sir. If he's a game manager, Uh what is Russell Wilson? Oh, he's a game destroyer. Uh, game destroyer. He's a game, he's a game destroyer. Just ask Sean Payton. I mean, he's, yeah. you, you saw what Sean felt about uh, about Russell after that offside play uh, there there late in the game. Oh yeah. Oh no. R- Russell Wilson is a uh, is a game destroyer, and uh, and Zach Wilson takes the game out of the you know like back. Remember, kids, there was a time you had to put the game in into the, the machine, yeah. into your PlayStation or your Nintendo. You had to put it in. He takes it out, smashes it on the ground a few times. And then just looks at you like, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Because that's what happened with the New York Jets today. I don't know what you get for Justin Fields. Cup in motion. Stafford off the play fake. Looking long for Cooper Cup. He's wide open. He's got it in stride. He's going to go in. 62 yards. What a breakdown by the Commanders. 
Let the conversation continue with Ryan, Trista, and Nick and BetMGM Tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Yeah, well, my commanders have a lot of those breakdowns every single week, guys. And you know what? This is good. The more losses, the better. The problem was on that Cooper Cup touchdown, there was like a 10-car length between the nearest defender and Cooper Cup when he caught the football. bees like that. Oh, it was as bad of a breakdown defensively as you could possibly have. But again, the more losses, the closer we are to probably not Caleb Williams because I don't think that the Carolina Panthers are going to win another game. But you know what? I'll maybe take it all. Maybe you'll get like Joe out to uh, protect uh, Sam Howell. You get your left tackle of the future, right? Yeah, we need a quarterback of the future, too. I agree. Yeah. Oh, now you're out on Sam Howell? You finally figured it out? I mean, no, like, no, Green Bay. No, I'm not <laughs> I'm not out on him. I mean, it's it's hard for anybody to play behind a USFL, XFL offensive this line. This is true. He has no time in the pocket. But, yeah, dude, like, if you could get Drake May, Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, uh, Jaden Daniels, yeah. I take I'm, them all. Yeah. And you know what Sam Howell but would be? But I would be? say Sam could come if he wants to. He could compete for the backup job. No, no actually, we'd like he to have him as a backup for the in job. Washington. You know, maybe. Uh, oh, stop. Jordan loves go, your you guy. You could go the Jordan Love route. He, yeah. could, he could hold a clipboard <laughs> there for three go. years. <laughs> Travis Rogers jumps on with us now. ESPN LA, Rams pre and post host, also the host of the uh, Locked on Rams podcast. Let's talk about these Rams because it's been a roller coaster of a season, clearly. Uh, when they're healthy, Still a pretty damn good team. Coming into the season, I loved them to go over their win total. Thought this was a team that if they could stay relatively healthy was a playoff team. And now it's 7-7. Seven and seven. Going into this Thursday night game now against the Saints tomorrow, I look at a team that's got a lot on the line, that looks pretty good offensively. Mind you, they did what they did against the Commanders. Everybody does that against my team. But what when you look at the Rams right now, do you see a team that's, not a, like, that's trending upward right now at just the right time where you have that confidence over the next three weeks for them to get into the postseason? Yeah, you were far more optimistic about them at the beginning of the year than I was. <laughs> I, I, did, I did not think that this was a playoff team. I did not think that this was a team that was going to win more than five or six games. I thought that this was a three or a four win team, honestly. They did absolutely nothing during the offseason. They let a ton of talent leave, and other than through the draft, they didn't bring any talent in. Um, and it looked like that's how it was going to start. And then they had an incredibly low point uh, about starting about week four till they went through their week by, uh, week ten by. But since then, they've turned into a different team. The the offensive line got better. Matthew Stafford has been fantastic, and Kyron Williams has been healthy. And with all of those things happening at the same time, they are a good team. They score a ton of points. They you know they had the Commanders aside, they had two weeks in a row prior to that. Uh, against Baltimore and against Cleveland, two of the best defenses in the league, where they scored over 30 points and looked like a really good football team. They have a very good quarterback. They've got two and a half really good wide receivers and a running back that's really coming to his own. I'm incredibly surprised where they are. I'm happy that they are where they are, and and I do think they're going to win their next two games and get into the playoffs. For the first time in Matt Stafford's career, a running back on his team has had two consecutive 100-yard running games. <laughs> Since Kyron Williams came back from injury, Rams, like you said, 3-1. and one. Like In yep. your mind, how does he open things up for the Rams in this offense? Well, it's funny. So the Rams offense, when you think of it, you think of Sean McVay, and you think of him chucking it all over the place. You think of Jared Goff putting up big numbers. You think of Matthew Stafford and the no-look pass in the Super Bowl and all the things that they've done and pass, pass, pass. And that's I personally think of Todd Gurley. Well, there you go. That's exactly <laughs> right. So the best version of this offense was when Todd Gurley was there. The best version of this offense is when you have a running back that not only can catch it out of the backfield, but that runs it and runs it a lot and runs it effectively. This is the first guy since Gurley 
that can do that. This is somebody that can get you 100 yards on the ground, that's going to catch five or six passes, that's pretty good in pass protection, that does all of those things that Gurley did. Um, and it's the first time where they've had kind of a two-way go in a little bit of a while. Um, you know, it, it worked really well when Matthew Stafford had all these weapons and all pros on defense and everything else. But the last couple of seasons, they did not have that. Uh, they finally have that running game again. And Williams has kind of unlocked everything for that team. Uh, Travis, the reason I kind of bought into the Rams coming into the season is Sean McVay could have made a lot of money, you know, to go into the broadcast booth and he was having a child and he's getting married and whatnot. And so I don't know why you'd want the stress. I mean, it's crazy schedule, obviously, as an NFL coach, but I just think this is one of his better coaching jobs. And it's crazy because right now, if you look at the coach of the year betting odds, he's still 30 to one. He's all the way down this list. You have to keep scrolling down. Uh, what could you say about the coaching job that he's done this season? You know, I mean, you went into the season, people thought maybe this team wins four or five games. Maybe they have an outside shot at like an early draft pick, and instead they're competing yeah. for the playoffs right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to say it's the best job he's done when he's been to the Super Bowl two other years, but I think this is the best job he's done relative to the talent that he's had on his football team. That, you know, when he first came in, the talent was decent, if not great. But after that, it got they, they were loaded. I mean, they had all pro quarterbacks, they had all pro wide receivers, they had an all pro left tackle, they had Aaron Donald, still have Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Bobby Wagner, uh, Von Miller. Just you go right down the list. They had an incredible roster of talent. This team, not so much. It's basically Stafford Cup, Donald, and a bunch of guys no one had ever heard of until a few weeks ago. And, you know, Puka Nakua, Kyron Williams, and these guys kind of popped off. But I, I agree with you. I think that relative to the expectations, relative to the talent on the football team, this is as good a job as he has ever done. Um, the, the entire culture of the Rams changed like that when Sean McVay showed up. This was a team yeah. that had the same owner. It's a team that had the same general manager, the same COO, that were good, but maybe not at that next level. Jeff Fisher uh, gets canned. McVay comes in, and since then, they've been one of the best organizations in the league with different quarterbacks, different wide receivers, different offensive lines, different defensive stars. The only piece that's remained the same has been Sean McVay. I, I think he's, if he's not the best coach in the league, he's on the first hand of best coaches in the league. He's going to stay as long as he wants. Uh, he's going to get paid whatever he wants, wherever he wants to go get it. And this team should be very grateful that they hired a 30-year-old seven years ago. Just to piggyback off of that, the one thing that you could actually kind of knock Sean McVay for is just the goal line play calling, red zone play yep. calling. I think I saw one first and goal. He called three consecutive failed passes. Uh, he even himself has said that that like, needs to change. Why do you think they're not using Kyron uh, on the goal line or inside the 10? I don't think Sean McVay knows why he doesn't do it. He was talking about it earlier this week, and he said the same thing, that it, it doesn't make any sense. You know, the, I'll use the Ravens game as an example. They drive right down the field, nine runs in a row. They, they go from their own 25 to inside the 10-yard line, and then they decide, you know what, we're going to throw it three times in a row. We saw him do it again against the Commanders where they got inside the 10-yard line and they got pass happy all over again. Sean McVay has been asked that question a million times, and it's always – I got to do better. I got to put us in a better position to succeed and all the things that Sean McVay says. And then they go and they pass it a bunch of times in a row. I do think that the light has gone off. It, you're right. It's really the one criticism that I think is entirely fair of Sean McVay since he's got here is his red zone play calls and in particular inside the 10-yard line play calls. He loves to throw it. We know he loves to throw it. And it's almost like you want to run out of the press box and tackle him and force him to run it when he gets inside the 10-yard line because when they do, the Rams score touchdowns and it changes everything. 
Talking to Travis Rogers, BetMGM tonight. So Cooper Cup, when he came back from that injury at the beginning of this, you know, the beginning of the run for him in the return. You're talking 118 yards on eight catches, seven for 148, and then everything started to dip for a long period of time. I know Matt Stafford was out. There was a lot going on. It feels like over the last couple of weeks, things have gotten back to where we see the old Cooper Cup again. How much does he look like the old Cooper Cup of a couple of years ago to you? Well, I was afraid he was just old Cooper Cup instead of the old (laughs) Cooper Cup. That was the fear, right? That it looked like a guy had aged, uh, you know, accelerating. He, it was funny because you're right. Everything you said, I think, is, is accurate. But just watching him get up off the ground, he, he gets up off the ground like I do. Like, you you know, just put a hand down and kind of move around. It's like nothing looked good. But the last couple of weeks, he's that old, he's that older, the, the, the old version of him where he pops back up. He's much quicker. He's much crisper. It seems like he's got a little more life in his legs. Nobody was really talking about injuries. But I can't imagine it was anything other than he did not feel great, that he had some nagging stuff because he showed up after the opening part of the season. He missed the first four games. He was on IR. He didn't play at all in the preseason, at all in camp. And it looked okay, and then it dipped hard. I just wonder if he wasn't entirely healthy. But the last couple of weeks, he looks like Cooper Cup. And add that with Kyren. Add that with Puka. Add that with one who I believe is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league in Matthew Stafford. And he's going to get his. He's still a really high-level player. And now you got Cup on the other – or excuse me, uh, Nakua on the other side. And he's looking a lot like Cooper Cup. That's why I'm optimistic. Oh, Travis, really quick, I want to uh, pivot and talk a little Brandon Staley because obviously he was the defensive coordinator oh. with the Rams. And then he spent three <laughs> years with the Chargers. Year one, everybody absolutely loved him. And then it was a mess. I ask this because I'm a – unfortunately, I'm a Packer fan. And right now we have Joe Barry uh, as the defensive coordinator – and I just okay. have this feeling that Brandon Staley might be next because LaFleur really wanted him. Do you think Do you think he's a solid – do you think he could be a defensive coordinator in this league? I don't think he's a head coach, but do you think he could be a uh, – you know, he could go back and take over a defense and be a fine coordinator, or do you think it's just kind of done for him? I, I am not a fan. So uh, yeah. I, I do not think that he is a guy that is going to have a great deal of success. I think he was put in an incredibly positive environment with Sean McVay. I think he was given – not that he didn't have talented players in, in Sandy or L.A., whatever the Chargers are now, that he, he – you know, he had Derwin James. You had Khalil Mack. You had Bosa. You had these guys. But when he was with the, the Rams, you got Vaughn Miller. You've got – um, Aaron Donald, you've got Jalen Ramsey, you've got all of these unbelievably talented guys. So I, I you know, he, he could coordinate that. Sure, if you want to give him three Hall of Famers, yeah, I think he could do a good job. But if you need him to do something from scratch, I, I I'm not a fan. I, Brandon Staley, yeah, they don't got that, unfortunately. No, no, I, like there's always <laughs> rumors that if Raheem Morris does get an, his next head coaching job sooner than later, whether Staley would be a good fit coming back. And I don't want him on my team, so I wouldn't wish him on yours. Yeah, no doubt. I I wanted to ask because we do play player props uh, and I want to ask kind of about the difference going forward between what we can expect from Pukunakua versus Cooper Cup moving forward because even like you said, Cooper Cup, his production dipped down and it felt like, oh, well, maybe Puka's now the number one receiver. And now the last few weeks, it's very clearly not been the case. Like, How is this target share between those two going to get divvied up for the rest of the season? You know, I think the Cup is always going to be the first guy. I think the Cup is probably always going to get the lion's share of the first looks. He's going to get the lion's share of the first calls and the catches and everything else. But there always is what we kind of talk about when we we talk about the Rams on the pregame show, we talk about on the post and, and on my talk show, is there's the Puka drive. There's always a drive, sometimes two, where 
not only does he get the ball a couple of times, it seems like he gets the ball in every play. And that's kind of the one that sparks them to, to, to get going. He's the emotional leader of that offense, uh, Puka Nakua is. So if that happens early, he tends to get a few more catches throughout the course of the game. But sometimes they wait for that Puka drive until the second or third quarter, which can keep that catch total down a little bit. If you're just looking for, for targets and things like that and, and receptions, I would always kind of lean towards Cup. But, uh, but Puka... You know, Puka has been terrific all season. He's long. the yards guy. He he's the yards guy, and he's the he's the emotional guy. He's the big play guy, and I'm not talking big play like down the field, but he's the guy that catches the ball over the middle and gets blown up and holds onto the ball. The guy that makes the circus catch along the sideline. He's kind of the the spark plug guy for this Rams team. But Cup's still the guy that's going to get most of the numbers, I think, going forward. All right, Travis, so let's look ahead specifically to Thursday night football. Rams are four-point favorites at home against the Saints. What do you expect to happen in that game, and what do the Saints need to, or what do the Rams need to do to just make this one of those games where they just keep the Saints aside? Because that offense, man, Derek Carr is one of the biggest disappointments in the – I really thought that was going to make that offense better in New Orleans. They are hard to watch. Well, the last time we saw uh, Derek Carr in in SoFi Stadium was on a Thursday night last season when he was the quarterback of the Raiders, and Baker Mayfield had been a Ram for seven seconds and beat him. And 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 it was because Derek Carr couldn't complete a pass. And I think that's the same game plan, that make Derek Carr beat you. When the Rams play with a lead, they're really tough to beat because they can grind clock, because they can control possession, they can do these sorts of things. The, the game against the Commanders, I heard you guys talking about it on the way in, that should have been a three or a four touchdown blowout for the Rams. Kyron Williams fumbled a couple of times. The Rams got a little sloppy at the end. Rams offense is humming. They're scoring a lot of points right now. Uh, I think they cover. I think that they probably score over 30, whether or not Derek Carr can get his team into the the 20s, the mid-20s or not. That's the part that I'm not quite sure on. But the, the Rams are going to score points this weekend. They, they've been scoring points. If, they, if they're clean, if they don't turn it over, Matthew Stafford, I think, has only thrown two picks in his last five games. Uh, if they can t- continue that trend, I think they're going to win, and, and I think they'll cover. I think they'll score more than 30. All right, so you got me taking Rams minus four and over the Rams team total. So I'm going to go with both of those. Oh, that's an every week. Kyron Williams rushing plus receiving yards every single week over is one of my favorite bets, and I'll continue to ride that thing the rest of the way. Travis Rogers, ESPN LA, Locked On Rams podcast as well, pre and post game show, does it all for them out there. Appreciate the time, man. I know the traffic was uh, was rough out there in LA. It's usually pretty bad. (laughs) Not in LA. What are you talking about? Never. And it's raining, so it's basically Armageddon. Oh, man, yeah, you guys, I mean, we're bad with snow out here, but when it rains out there, man, you guys definitely act like we like out here in D.C. with the snow. Even a sprinkle, Even a sprinkle, and it's like the world is ending. Remember last Christmas, though? Oh, my God, Travis, I don't think it stopped raining over that break. Oh, my (laughs) goodness. It finally stopped about a week ago, and now it started again, so we're ready for it. There you go. Thanks, Travis. Appreciate the time, man. You got it. It is true. It's like instant chaos just to add a sprinkle of water out there. Forgot about that. What a great quote on Joe Barry. He just pretty much said he sucks. Yep. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And he does? Yep. Oh, and uh, not Joe Barry. Uh, well, yeah, Joe Barry, too. Yeah, too. And Staley. Brandon Staley. Brandon Staley, Both too. of them. Seton Hall's up eight, guys. Feeling good. <laughs> Duke's down six. Bet MGM tonight. That's not- the winning trifecta is Ryan Horvat, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew. All three will be right back on Bet MGM tonight. Presented by Bet MGM, live from BetQL. It's what whatever a team is willing to pay. I mean, that's yeah, the field You get bears. a second round pick. I can't get it. You're gonna get you're gonna get a first round pick for Justin Fields? I don't think so. No. Second, I would think. Second, third. 
I mean, it's the big unknown. Like, Chicago controls, they control so much. Because, like you said, they're going to have the number one pick in what they decide to do. I just cannot see them two straight years sticking with Justin Fields instead of trying to go and get their quarterback. We both agree. We think Fields could turn out to be a really good player. But I don't know, JP. I mean, if Drake May or Caleb Williams turns out to be an absolute monster, like most think he will, I mean, they're going to they're gonna regret that forever. So even if... The thing about it is, it's like the whole bird in hand thing, right? Is that you kind of know what you have with certain guys, like Justin Fields, Sam Howell. And it's 50% at best for even the top picks. So we kind of know going in, Drake May, Caleb Williams, one of those guys is probably going to bust. Right. Right. That's what we're seeing right now with C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. And it's just the history of it. You can go through the drafts, like, one of two is probably going to bust. Holding a, a Bengals minus three ticket holder, and I was live on air, and the emotional swings that you see as oh, a sports better. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, and this is over. I was like, oh, wait, we have life. Oh, wait, this is interesting. Okay, let's go. <laughs> and I was so happy to have pushed. I've never been more excited to <laughs> make no money before. <laughs> Yeah, well, it was an little. emotional yeah. roller coaster, but it was so fun. It was a perfect game to remind you of two things. One, why you're a fan of football, and two, why you're a fan of sports betting. All right, hit us on your thoughts on Josh Allen. Well, just like we're not going to do like the full MVP stuff today, probably, but, but we should talk about it a little bit when we do San Francisco and, and Baltimore. We'll obviously talk about it a bunch, probably. But just, uh, you know, like there's look, I this time of year, all I'm doing is just listening. Like uh, the time for me thinking is kind of past. And it's just like, all right, like the, the, the papers are due. The tests are due. Like, what's everybody's answer? And like, what are they saying? And whether you like this answer or not, and you're listening, I kind of think this is where we're at. Uh, I think a lot of people. And I think that trickles down to people who vote think that if Josh Allen wins the next three games, he's going to win most valuable player. And it's just worth keeping in mind. It's time for more bet MGM tonight with Ryan, Trista and Nick on the BetQL network presented by bet MGM. Here comes Duke climbing their way back. 55 54. Duke over Baylor, 8.53 to go. What I said? Uh, Seton Hall, though, look at that. Yes. 11 point lead over UConn right now. Who would have thunk it? Me. What was the line? Uh, I got Seton Hall 10. Went down to, it closed at 7, though. Wow. Yeah, UConn, 7 point favorite. Feeling good. I don't like betting against UConn, though. Did it last week? It's not fun. No, no. I took uh, the Zags on Friday night against UConn. I felt good so for about a minute. Yeah, we. I think we. I, I think me and Kai are actually on, on, on a couple of the same things tonight. Yeah. Hopefully it works out. We got Oklahoma coming up, plus three and a half, ten and zero this season, eight and two against the number, and we get Por, uh, Porter Moser against Hubert Davis. Guys, excited for that. So right now, Joel Embiid, guys, has thirty points, eight rebounds, three assists. There's four sixteen to go in the third quarter against the Timberwolves. Mind you, Rudy Gobert also is who Joel Embiid is going up against. If the Sixers keep this pace, they don't have James Harden, and Joel Embiid plays this way, the way he looks, which I would argue is better than even last season. I think it is, too. He's MVP again. What is his uh, percentage right now? He's shooting 50. It feels like more. 56% from the field. 10 for 10 from the free throw line, but boy, oh, boy. It's just been 
e- too easy for Joel Embiid. He's gotten the thing that I find to be the most impressive is how much he's gotten guys into foul trouble immediately. Nas Reed gets on him, two quick fouls. Rudy Gobert on him, two quick fouls. Now he has three. Carl Anthony Towns on him, two quick fouls. It's like it doesn't matter who you put on Joel Embiid. He's giving you buckets or you're fouling him. Now you have Rudy Gobert sitting on the bench. Why? Another foul against Joel Embiid. His shooting splits just this month alone. Sick. 60% from the field, 39% from three, and he's making, you know, over a three a game. Four so fouls, it's not... excuse me for Rudy Gobert, sorry. Yeah, but that's what happens. He gets guys in foul trouble with the way that he plays. So 60% from the field, 39% from three, and 92% from the free throw line. That's yeah. Joel Embiid in yeah. this month. Oh, and by the way, he's averaging 40 points a game and 13 rebounds. And the and the Timberwolves are hanging tough, man. They're up 83 to 77. Those guys are playing really balanced basketball right now, too. Jade McDaniels has 21. Disgusting. Carl Anthony Towns has 20. Ant Edwards has 23. <sighs> Come on, man. Embiid's got 33 now and nine. Like, I, I just hope he stays healthy. Like, really, that's the that's just, the thing with a lot of these bigs. I just want to see him stay healthy this time. He's got Carl Anthony Towns on a foul again. Ah, got you. Oh, what are you going to do? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, that's a foul. That's an and one. Oh, what are you going to do? They're always the weakest fouls. Like, if you're going to foul somebody, why not, like, at least make it's them incredible. earn the bucket, you know? It's incredible. No. Now it's an and one. He's going to have 34 before the fourth quarter. I just need him to have – actually, no, I think – I think we ding over 32 and a half points for Joel Embiid. Nice. That hits. Wow. I think I took Good Anthony stuff. Edwards at 30 plus points too Good in stuff. a parlay. So I, that boosted that a lot. He's got 23 right now. Yeah, and like that's what's crazy too because if you look at the Timberwolves, like if the Timberwolves continue to be top two team in the Western Conference, Anthony Edwards deserves at least some consideration for MVP. But in reality, like his odds aren't even moving. No. He's still 50 to 1 to win MVP. Anthony Edwards right now on one of the best teams in the NBA, at least record-wise. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I don't uh, – he's he's awesome. He's a lot of fun to watch right now. He's awesome. I don't have a whole lot with the M- NBA uh, MVP market right now, I'm not going to lie. If I was going to place a bet today, ooh, it'd be – I mean, like, do you guys think that uh, the voter fatigue falls for Embiid, you know, back-to-back no, years? I don't. Because, I mean, you look at the odds, obviously, it's him and Jokic, and those guys, though, could win it every single year. Think about honestly. this. Joel Embiid has 36 points, and there's three minutes left in the third quarter. Yeah. 36, 9, 3, one steal, one block. And he's just yamming on people. I don't know what it is, but the way that he's doing it this year is far more pronounced than last year or the year before that where he was in the conversation. And I love Jokic, but the way that Embiid is playing, I think, is more MVP-ish, meaning, like, more flashy, the way that he's doing it, being that he's been sitting out a bunch of fourth quarters in the last, like, seven, eight games. He's averaging, like, 33 points in three quarters in the last five, six games. Yeah, because, I mean, like, when you watch, like, some of these teams, right, like, Jokic is obviously the best player in Denver, and, you know, Jamal Murray's mm-hmm. been injured at times this season. So, same thing with Embiid, and that's probably why maybe he gets a little bit more love for Philadelphia maybe this year, even in the market, because no James Harden, the way that that all, that all went down, new coaching staff comes in. But, I mean... You know, Luka 4-1, to one. if Dallas mm-hmm. can finish a top-four seed in the West, and especially with Kyrie missing all those games this season, if he continues to put up numbers. I know top it's not four the best is tough, price. though. I think even top four is not enough for him to win it, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah. Only because of the year Embiid is having, and really Jokic doing the same thing again. Yeah. I mean, because I, I, I just look at some of these te- uh, some of these numbers, and it's like Anthony Edwards at 50-1 to one makes sense if he 
if they end up with the one seed and he averages like 32 points per game. But I don't know, man, because that's a pretty deep team. Uh, Rudy Gobert's playing really well. But, you have Carl Anthony Towns. I just... I, See, here's my only thing with that, though. When, when you're when you're talking MVP and you look, because the Timberwolves are really deep, right? They, yeah. they, you feel like the talent has finally come together with a roster we've looked at for the last couple of seasons. I mean, last year, the Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, you don't really know that it was even going to work because they weren't playing together a lot. Looks like it's working now, but... Anthony Edwards is head and shoulders the best player on that team. He is the one. He's the motor. He is the the leader. He is the. I mean, people throw around Michael Jordan comparisons with him, like Michael Jordan light. If they have the best record in the Western Conference, Anthony Edwards should be looked at by these voters as a legit MVP. The fact that he sits at fifty to one shows that I know it's early and there's not really a lot of conversation around it. Like, fine, but he just. He's having a year that is not getting credit for the season that he's having and the type of player that he's having. All good teams have other good players. It's the guy that stands out above the rest that wins MVP. Nikola Jokic has Jamal Murray. Yeah. He won an MVP. Yeah. Right? Like, Chris Middleton's a good player, and in his prime, Giannis won MVPs with Chris Middleton on the roster where he was actually playing games. So, like, you can go back through the course of history, and everybody's had. Jordan had Pippen. Like, so there's always going to be talented players on these rosters with MVPs. It just blows my mind that Anthony Edwards is still sitting where he is right now. Kevin Durant won it with Russell Westbrook. Yep. Yeah, Russell that is was on true. that team. Steven Adams. There's a lot of good talent. Thabo, Cephalosha. Never so forget So I him. guess just the question would be, um, do you think what Minnesota's doing is sustainable? As far as, like, one seed. I do think it probably they have to be the one seed for Ant to win. Even, like, a two or a three yeah. might not. If, you know, Jokic is continuing to put up those numbers. Embiid's continuing to put up those numbers in Philly. And... Like I said with Luca, um, I don't know. I want to see if Dallas makes another move. Probably not, though, right? They're probably happy with what they got. I think. I mean, they haven't even had a full team really this season. <laughs> yeah, no Kyrie all year long. Who else? Like other than that, though, because I mean, Giannis this season, I don't think is winning MVP with Dame on the roster. Shea, at seven to one. Yes, I, I, I mean, think we've that's talked about him one. a lot, but there's a, there's a reason why he's where he is right now. But does Oklahoma City keep this pace? Like. I feel I, better about Minnesota, obviously, like in the long run, yeah. keeping, keeping up with. I mean, yeah, I I think though Anthony Edwards, when you look at his stat sheet, he's a little bit more of a roller coaster ride than you would want from an MVP. Like you have a game where he has he he averages one point four steals per game, but he'll go three three games without a steal, one game with two steals, and then two games none. Three three zero zero. Ah, zero. But nobody cares about defense in the NBA. So, Trista, but, okay, come so on. Okay, so let's talk about points then. Let's talk about points then. You have a a game where you have nine uh, mm. against the Mavericks on thirty five minutes. That just cannot happen for an MVP. Seventeen against the god awful Spurs in thirty seven minutes, and then you follow that up all of a sudden against the Pacers, which you know one of the worst defenses in the league, mm-hmm. put up thirty seven. So Anthony Edwards is a little bit production-wise a roller coaster. I and you look at guys like Jokic or Embiid. They're sure things every night. They're yeah. thir- they're giving you thirty no matter what. I know, and that's why it's so hard for me to make a bet on anybody other than those guys. I know, as chalky as it is. Yeah. You, know, you know, I mean, it comes down to staying healthy, finishing. For Embiid, I feel like it's like a top three seed in the East this year, right? I mean, the numbers. If that he's, he's playing the way up, he is now, yeah. If you take him off that team, where are they at? I mean, we love Maxi. And, I mean, Maxie's playing so well that his odds aren't even too crazy. I mean, it's 150 to 1, but, like, you go down this list and it's De'Aaron Fox, it's Devin Booker, it's it's Steph Curry. I mean, 
man, I could give Steph the MVP right now, to be honest with you. If you take him out of Golden State, they might be like a two-win basketball team. Yeah, they might be the Detroit Pistons. And he's still so damn fun. And Bede's got 36-10 and 10 now, guys. Ridiculous. Also, three assists, a block, and a steal. And it's still the third quarter. Yeah. So that's that's Joel Embiid in a nutshell right there. All right, it is a Wednesday. I think it may be time to uh, play a little game, Scott. Should we play a little Would You Rather? Oh, come on. It's now time to play Would You Rather with BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network. Let's do it. Let's give it a whirl. Trista, to start with you, would you rather on a Wednesday back Dallas at plus 450 or Philly at plus 375 to win the NFC? Of course, there's a team missing. So... Maybe the two or the three horse might interest you. Dallas, plus 450. Philly, plus 375 to win the NFC. Would you rather? You sound like Travis on Brandon Staley. I think I'd probably... I hate this question. Probably Philly. Probably Philly. Because when they play well, I think that they match up better with San Francisco. We saw that in the playoffs. And I know that Dallas the last two years in the playoffs looked okay for most of the game against San Francisco, but I guess it's just me as a jaded fan not believing in my team and knowing that Philly just went to the Super Bowl last year. So it would probably be Philly, but I don't want to do either. I would be more comfortable saying Philly, like, without question, if they weren't playing the way they were the last couple of weeks. But we know what Philly's high end is. We know what they're ceiling. It's going to the Super Bowl and winning the NFC. What's the Cowboys? They lose in the divisional round at best every single year, and Mike McCarthy has Zeke Elliott lining up at center, blocking all by himself, getting pancaked. So I'd have to go Philly here because I've at least seen them get to that point before, but I'm not comfortable with it right now because they look like complete trash offensively, and even their run defense is starting to fall off. Yeah, I mean, like since like the mid-90s, you guys are probably on the right side, but i got to stick with my original Of course you do. Got to go with my Dallas Cowboys. We're going to need a healthy Micah Parsons the rest of the way. We Oh, you're a wee guy with them now. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, Are you guy. letting him on the on the bandwagon, Trista? I don't think he should be a wee guy. He doesn't get to do he that. He doesn't enjoy the pain. Yeah, That's true. you got to suffer through the pain, man. He's well, I only ju- like them when they're good. Uh, see? That, I know. And you don't even care about your Packers anymore when they're losing because you're used to having a team that wins 13 games every single year. Yeah. You know what? Being a fan means you also suffer. Yeah. It's time for you to suffer. Embrace the suck. I only cheer for my money these days. You- <laughs> like right now, I'm, I'm cheering for Duke and Seton Hall. I have no allegiances, but we're both winning. That's a big three. Give it to me, Dukies. Oh, look at that. 68-61. Four minutes to go. Take that five-star bet, Baylor. <laughs> Think about that. There you go. Yeah. All right. Mike Dettelier going to join us next live from New Orleans. It's BetMGM Tonight.